0: Money FM eighty nine point three, best of the breakfast huddle. Mind your business with the breakfast huddle only on Money FM eighty nine point three. Money FM eighty nine point three. Good morning. It's the breakfast huddle. Elliot Dank, uh, Mahadi Jagdish, and Ryan Huang with you. It's time now for Mind Your Business, and we're talking shipping this morning.
1: Uh, an industry that's doing really well, surprisingly well, right? Yeah. Um, I think we went into the wrong business.
0: Uh, if possibly. <laughs> did you know I used to take shipping law? Hmm. I didn't understand anything.
1: Uh, it it's, it's That quite, explains why we're it's, here it's now. It's quite
0: complicated, <laughs> la, to be fair. But I'm sure, I'm sure. If yeah. you look at the current landscape, right, there's a combination of this booming demand for goods, a global supply chain that is collapsing under the weight of COVID-19, And that in turn driving freight prices higher.
1: Yeah, it's all about demand and supply, isn't it, at the end of the day. So we're seeing major Chinese and Hong Kong shipping groups log record revenue and profit growth in the first half of the year. Talking here about tight capacity contributing to this and a shortage of containers in key markets intersecting with a disruption of operations at a number of major ports thanks to COVID-19.
0: Okay, Uh, let's take, for example, Costco Shipping Holdings, the world's third largest maritime carrier by capacity. They have said that their first half revenue grew 88% uh, year-on-year to 139.26 billion yuan, while net profits soared by a factor of, what, 32 to reach 37.09 billion yuan.
1: One of the few industries doing really well during this time. Mm. Uh, Look at the figures in the first six months of 2021. The company's container fleet handled 13.84 million TEUs. We're talking about 20-foot equivalent units. That's a 16.8%, almost 17% increase from a year before that. And while you might think that the driving force for Costco's earnings surge was higher volume, it actually was just price growth. I mean, amid the conditions that we described earlier, that's to be expected, right? But how long can the freight industry enjoy the perks of being in the bubble they are in right now? And how much will end consumers continue to pay for this?
0: How long can we be in this no-choice situation? Let's see if we can get some consumer rights this morning. Raymond Krishnan, who is president of the Logistics and Supply Chain Management Society, is on the line with us. Raymond, good morning. How are you? Great, Elliot. Great to be back on the show. Yes, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, and I have a new uh, co-host now. Uh, Bharati, Hi, join
1: Raymond. Me.
0: Hi. <laughs> okay, let's let's start off by trying to set the mood here. So we spoke back, I believe it was March last year, we talked about freight rates increasing Singapore businesses, how they can avoid the high cost of getting supplies. It's a year later. Uh, tell us about how things have
2: changed, how things have evolved. Well, one of the things that we've seen is it's lasted longer than any of us hoped. Yeah, We were all hoping that we would be over the worst of COVID before the end of 2020. But it's now we're approaching quarter four and things are getting a lot worse if not, and not better. So the biggest thing that we're seeing is what you mentioned earlier. freight rates are going through the roof. Yeah? You're seeing quadrupling of freight rates compared to what we used to pay a year before. And it does not, there's no end in sight. Capacity is still constrained. Containers are in the wrong parts of the world. So getting it back to where it needs to be is a problem. So we're going to have to live with this for at least another six months to a year if if and that's a conservative observation
1: but the thing is Raymond i mean i I'm just looking at the situation that led to this, right? The circumstances that actually led to the current state of affairs. When COVID first started, of course, there was all this disruption to air services. We saw a shortage, a container shortage between China and the U.S., partly due to the varying speeds of recovery across the world. The demand for goods rebounded more strongly than expected in the second half of last year. And then the limited air freight capacity just Mm. added pressure. It became very apparent that these shippers lacked agility, they couldn't adapt, and that led to more enduring problems that in turn have led to higher shipping rates. Is it in their interest to continue being this way, you know? I mean, because the the more they lack agility, the less they adapt, the higher the prices go.
2: So there's that's a phrase being bandied around mm. the industry, and lean is not agile, mm. Right. Um, and what we're talking about now is resilient agility. So being aware of market constraints, and we actually started seeing this even before COVID and before the the surge in demand. It started as far back as Trump being in the White House with um, the US-China trade war. That's when we started seeing a lot of spikes in demand or a lot of uh, erratic fluctuations in capacity and also rates heading northwards so that the short answer is lean is not agile um, we do have to look look at how we're doing things you have to build up inventories in your supply chain you know and a lot of people are looking at reshoring near shoring a lot more seriously than they were perhaps 12 or 18 months ago as well
0: you, so you're saying that in spite of the fact that on paper it serves in their interest to remain this way, they they had better sort of turn towards the agility that you were talking about. You're saying that it earlier on that it could last another six months. I know this question probably comes up very constantly, but in six months, can we look forward to how things used to be where, from a consumer's perspective where, you know, when we pay for our goods and how timely our goods arrive? Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I think in that sense, that normalcy will return. So you're going to see less peaks and troughs in supply, right? But I think we also have to be prepared to pay more. Rates are not going back to what they were pre-COVID or say the 2018 or 2019 rates. One of the things is shipping lines have actually learned, they've had a tough 10 years before this, yeah? Um, A lot of shipping lines that used to exist in 2010 no longer exist names like hanjin k-line american president lines or apl they don't exist anymore so the shipping lines have wisened up as well it's not a race to the bottom we've got to be paid for a fair price for the freight that we move the unfortunate thing is that their conservancy in their approach to ensure that um, their bottom lines are protected are seeing rates skyrocket right so, there will be some return, some softening of rates in, in about 6 to 12 months. But there's nowhere going to be reaching the volumes or the, the, the prices that we were paying pre-2019. The demand even more is
0: not going to change now, right? <laughs> we we want to order stuff more now. Yes. I
2: mean, e-commerce isn't helping. Yeah. But, you know... Um, and you touched on this earlier. Demand actually has not increased. So the amount of volume that's moving through mm. our supply chains
1: mm.
2: are actually similar to what it was last year or the year before. Okay. There is some incremental increase there, right. right? But it's actually because of the erratic, uh, you know, our ports are closed at different times. Yeah. One country is going into a lockdown when another is not. We've got some natural disasters. We've got accidents like the Suez playing a part in this. Right. So it's a perfect storm of unfortunate circumstances that's making this your whole supply chain very choppy. You don't have enough drivers to clear cargo from your ports. So it's it's just a long litany of issues.
1: Is it possible to overcome these issues with a little bit of planning and structuring and agility, so to speak?
2: To a large part, yes. One thing that's really lacking in our industry is the lack of digitalization and the use of technology Mm. to help overcome a lot of these things. The shipping industry in supply chain overall is probably a laggard in this area. So adopting technology to help us with this, some sort of visual intelligence, visual analytics to provide not so much a crystal ball, but a bit more predictive analytics around what we're supposed to be doing, that will help. And also building up inventory, making sure it's either market positioned closer to your customers, or point of consumption, or to your production plants. A lot of people are, you know, we've worked, lived with this lean um, mentality, mm. and having too much inventory is bad. Unfortunately, you're going to have to man up and actually build some inventory in your supply chain.
1: Right. So
2: use technology, and you, yeah, um, you do. You can't operate as lean as you used to.
1: Yeah, you did allude to this earlier as well. The fact is, Raymond, I understand that about half the world's containers are owned by the 10 major shipping companies, and the rest are actually leased to carriers by leasing companies or owned by freight forwarders or other cargo handlers. Some analysts have remarked that uh, because of the lack of competition and certain deals that are raising concerns about concentration that's hurting the competition – To expect change in the industry could be a little far-fetched at this point.
2: Yeah, it is. Um, Mm. You know, the only country that has some sort of legislation or authority around looking at what shipping lines do is the U.S. They've got the Federal Maritime Commission. Um, But that's strictly for U.S. inbound and, to a large extent, outbound cargo as well. But there isn't like a worldwide regulatory body or any oversight as to how shipping lines operate. I'm not saying that there needs to be, right? But that's just the fact of the matter. Mm. So market forces drive rates up and carriers are free to behave in the best way they see how. And what they're doing is lining their pockets, you know. Mm. Um, Mm. Is that necessarily a bad thing? Or is that just commerce? I mean, that debate can continue for days on end, right? If you're a shipper, you're going to say, no, they're just exploiting us. But if you're a shipping line, you're saying, look, we're just responding to what the market wants." Mm. Okay. So you could argue it both ways.
0: Very interesting you bring that up, uh, Raymond, because the basis of our conversation this morning is really on the back of COVID-19 and what it's done to supply chain. You talked about leveraging on technology. I am curious, though, how close in the rearview mirror are things like climate change. And what I mean is, you know, we had Hurricane Ida, devastating, really horrible event. And now it seems that there are reports that there is a tropical storm, Nicholas, heading towards Texas and Louisiana. In the news, it seems like these things are happening more often. Is this something that the supply chain industry needs to take note of and how can they manage such situations?
2: I mean, the immediate and simple answer is yes, they do. But Mm. um, for example... Shanghai is shut down pretty much today because of typhoon as well. Yeah. So are these things happening more frequently? Apparently they are. Are we able to predict them and should we have contingencies in place? It's not easy. Yeah. Black Swan events, you know, if you really start planning for every contingency in your supply chain, you're going to have a lot of inventory built up, okay. a lot of obsolescence, a lot of cost. Okay. So you do want to be aware of it. Realistically, having a contingency in place or a solution in place is just not possible.
1: Mm, You also can't be as unprepared as you were when COVID struck, right? So what's really the balance there? And if you can also touch on what you mentioned earlier about getting with the program when it comes to technology, (laughs) because I'm sure those two things are related, you know, being more prepared for contingencies, adopting technology. And uh, doing so also in an environmentally friendly way, because I understand that green tech has also become an issue within the shipping industry.
2: It has. So, you know, it's a fine balance. And the unfortunate thing um, is that people have short memories. So we're going to react now. We're going to say, yes, yes, um, lean is not agile. Let's build up inventory. But I think... If you're a corporation living quarter to quarter looking at financial results and reporting to Wall Street how well you're doing or not, when things come back to that that better normal or new normal as we keep calling it, people are going to forget they're going to go back to their old ways of behavior. What is positive though is that with COVID, people have been talking about Industry 4.0 and digitalization for a while. Mm. People are being forced. So now you're being forced to look at digitalization and tools that will actually help you be more agile, give you better visibility in what you're doing, better control of your supply chain. So that's one of the positives that we're seeing in the last year with COVID. People realize, hey, look, I didn't have this visibility that I need. I don't have that control. Um, how do I do this? Let's, let's look at technology and helping us do this. So that's a real positive.
0: We've been speaking with uh, Raymond Krishnan, who is president of the Logistics and Supply Management Society. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Take care and stay safe.
2: Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Bharati. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.